for the love of our Holy Prophet of Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad, one loud salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. A'udhu billahi minash shaytani rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi alladhi hadana lihada wa ma kunna linahtadiya lawla an hadana Allah. والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين خاتم النبيين سيدنا الممجد بشير المصدق المصطفى الأمجد محمود الأحمد أبي القاسم محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين ولعنة الله على الظالمين من الأولين والآخرين أما بعد فقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه المجيد وفرقانه الحميد وقوله الحق بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يسألونك عن الأنفال قل الأنفال لله والرسول فاتقوا الله وأصلحوا ذات بينكم وأطيع الله ورسوله إن كنتم مؤمنين إنما المؤمنون الذين إذا ذكر الله وجلت قلوبهم وإذا تليت عليهم آياته زادتهم إيمانا وعلى ربهم يتوكلون الذين يقيمون الصلاة ومما رزقناهم ينفقون أولئك هم المؤمنون حقا لهم درجات عند ربهم ومغفرة ورزق كريم آمن بالله صدق الله العلي العظيم صلوا على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Awaited Savior of Humanity Imam Al-Mahdi عليه السلام My respected brothers and sisters السلام عليكم جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته our class this evening continues on in our themes of each chapter of the Holy Qur'an, which is known as Maqasid al-Sur. That each chapter of the Qur'an has an overarching goal to it. And in order to ascertain that, we look at the sub-themes of the surah and all the associated learnings around the surah and extrapolate one theme or one goal or a number of themes or a number of goals that the surah itself is speaking to. It may be that some of you are joining us for the first time. We are discussing from Surah Al-Anfal tonight, inshallah, chapter number eight of the Quran. And so everyone, inshallah, has their Qurans with them. They have their pens and pads with them. And for those who wish to be able to catch up on the series, the Hujjat Stanmore podcast, available on all your normal podcast avenues, actually has all the recordings of our series to date. Part one is the introduction on how we establish a maqsad, a goal or a theme of a particular surah. And then we have looked at all the other surahs from Al-Fatiha up until last week, Surat Al-A'raf, chapter number seven of the Qur'an. Let us just mention now the themes that we have covered um, and that will give us some uh, context into starting our discussion tonight, inshallah. 
Surah Al-Fatiha, the whole theme of the surah is about being a cure for every da, for every type of ailment, both physical and spiritual. Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter number two of the Quran, speaks to the theme of looking at how the history of Banu Israel and the Jewish community was, such that the Muslim community needs to learn lessons from those. Surah Al-Imran, chapter number three, looks at the same context, but about the Christian history and the way in which the Christian community needs to be learned from. Chapter number four, Surah Al-Nisa, the theme of which is looking at the most vulnerable people in society and how those vulnerable people need to be assisted. At the head of all those vulnerable groups, be it the orphans or prisoners or such, would be the women of the community. Number five, chapter number five, Surah Al-Ma'idah, Al Al the theme of Al-Ma'idah is that it is the penultimate chapter of the whole Qur'an. It is the second last to be revealed in the final months and weeks of the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. And as such, is it, it is like an outro to the Qur'an. It is looking at the challenges that exist in the last weeks of the Prophet's life and how the Muslim community need to be prepared for the matters that are going to come upon the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. Chapter number six, Surah Al-An'am, is a dialogue. The entire surah is a dialogue between the mushrikeen, the polytheists, the kuffar of Mecca and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. And it is specifically looking at the cultures of Mecca that stopped them from being able to believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Chapter number seven, Surah Al-A'raf, speaks from the perspective of the leadership of the Quraysh and how there's two groups of leaders. There are those who are the leaders of the prophetic movement and the leaders of the <clears throat> opposition who were in Mecca, who were the chiefs. And it looks at the chiefs of all the previous major prophets. It looks at the chiefs of um, Prophet Nuh, the chiefs in the time of Prophet Hud and Saleh and Sha'ib and Musa, Salamullahi alayhim ajma'een, and how fundamentally the chiefs of a society and the subgroups underneath those chiefs of a society all work together to be able to dampen the prophetic movement as best as they can. And then on the Day of Judgment, on the A'raf, on those great heights, there will be leaders whom you will recognize by the features on their face and you will see that in reality they were the true leaders to take in dunya as opposed to many of those who take the leaders that they shouldn't in dunya. These have been the themes that we have been looking at until now. Now, <clears throat> we have some audience members that I'm sure have been regulars. And so in order to make sure that we're all in the same position, we talk about how there are four major ways in order to uh, delineate, in order to understand the theme of a surah. If someone wants, they can type those four or one of those four into the um, chat window and I'll be able to read them. So I invite the audience just to remind all of us what might one of the four or all of the four ways to denote a theme of the surah B. Don't all rush at once. 
it's anonymous so if you if you put if you don't put your name i won't know who it is don't worry feel free so the first way we find the theme of a surah is looking at the name of the surah itself and the name is indicative towards the theme of a surah or at least indicates towards one of the themes of the surah ahsant we have someone who has commented uh, number two we look at the beginning and the end of the surah so we look at the fawatih the opening verses and the khawatim the concluding verses why because just like when we speak when a person delivers a speech or writes a book there's an internal coherence we start with an introduction we may divert into multiple avenues but then we always conclude and this allows us to be able to see the coherence in the surah brilliant Ahsant, so that's one we look at the title two we look at the beginning and the end of the surah we had another comment number three we look at the context and the time of revelation fantastic we look at what's occurring in that year or in that month of revelation as we know there were some 23 or maybe depending on different scholarly opinions 20 years of revelation and so when the uh, muslim community is faced with a particular event or attitude or trial verses are revealed in accordance with that in the same way entire chapters are looking at those matters as well fantastic we have another comment thank you so much and the fourth way we can look is at the ahadith of ahlul bayt because there is always a relationship between the fadl of the surah the reward that you get for reciting the surah and the surah itself now for those of us who have been following the classes week on week i want to add a comment here and um, i'm going to just mention this and then i'm going to come to it in later classes inshallah and that is that there are actually two more ways for us to be able to find the theme of a surah um, and we will bring those up later on in classes inshallah because where appropriate i want to demonstrate that with certainty so that we can say that this is a a, a definitive way that we can add these two um, ways of contextualizing a theme of a surah inshallah and we will come to that in due course but don't think that there is only four there are two more ways that we can use in order to denote the theme of a surah. Chapter number eight, Surat Al-Anfal. We begin by looking at the background of the surah. We begin by looking at the um, history of the surah. And then inshallah, looking at some of the, the, the aspects around its name and how its name is in the surah itself. <clears throat> Chapter number eight, Surat Al-Anfal is a madani surah so in the previous um discussions we stated that um baqarah ali imran wan nisa wal maida they are all madani chapters al an'am wal a'raf they are makki chapters and al a'raf actually precedes Al-An'am in terms of the order of revelation, the Tartib al-Nuzuli, even though it comes after in the Tartib of the Mus'haf. In terms of chapter number 8, Surah Al-Anfal, it is a Madanan Surah. And when is it revealed? It is actually revealed very early on in the period of Medina, 
It is the 88th chapter to be revealed in the terms of the order of revelation. The Tartib al-Nuzuri is number 88. The Tartib fil-Mushaf, the order in which it is collected in the Quran itself, is number 8, as we know. And Nazilat ba'da Surat al-Baqarah, and it is revealed after Surat al-Baqarah. Now, you'll recall, as we stated, Surat al-Baqarah speaks about Banu Israel, its history. It speaks about the Jewish community and their histories. And it also speaks about a plethora of number of issues in terms of setting up the Ummah, setting up the culture of Medina. Amongst those verses mentioned in uh, Al-Baqarah are verses regarding Jihad and Qital. War, when we say war, we mean sacred defense and fighting. So this is something that is important for us to understand in the context of Surat Al-Anfal. Also, in terms of Surat Al-Anfal, chapter number 8 of the Qur'an, um, it is also a, a surah that is responding to an event, or a surah rather not responding, the word I prefer to use is reviewing an event. Now this is very interesting, because other chapters also are sent after events, as a means to review certain events. What is the major event that Surat Al-Anfal is reviewing? It is reviewing the entirety of the Battle of Badr, the events that precede and lead up to Badr as well, and how the Muslim reacted, how the Muslim community reacted to the events of Badr. Now who can tell me, who can write it down, what year was the Battle of Badr? Who can write it in the chat box? It was two after Hijrah. So if you want to specify when Surat Al-Anfal is being revealed, it is being revealed. Ahsantum, thank you, we have the comment. We have a correct comment, two after Hijrah. But it's being revealed before the event of Uhud. The event of Ahad is detailed in which chapter? Al Imran. So here we get a understanding of the order, an understanding of the themes that are taking place. And one can immediately reflect on the question, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have to reveal a chapter reviewing an entire series of events well after the events? You see, normally we think that the revelations are responding to current events only. So someone comes to the Prophet and says, tell me about this, the verse is revealed. Or an event is taking place that is urgently requiring revelation and the revelation comes. This series of verses, or rather this chapter, is revealed after the event of Badr. All the events of Badr have been completed. Let us now look at some of the ahadith from Ahl al-Bayt salawatullahu salamu alayhi majma'een um, regarding Surat al-Anfal. Fadl al-Surah, the fadl, the fadail, the rewards, the merits of reciting Surat al-Anfal. Qara Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi, the Holy Prophet is narrated to have said, Man qara'a Surat al-Anfali, 
وبراءة فأنا شفيع له وشاهد يوم القيامة Whoever recites Surah Al-Anfal Wal-Bara'a Chapter number 9, Surah Al-Tawbah فَأَنَا شَفِيعٌ لَهُ I will be shafi' for him وَشَاهِدٌ And witness يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the Day of Judgment أَنَّهُ بَرِيءٌ مِّنَ النِّفَاقِ So that he would be uh, doing uh, He would be able to absolve himself To do bara'a of nifaq وَأُعْطِيَ مِنَ الْأَجْرِ بِعَدَدِ كُلِّ مُنَافِقٍ وَمُنَافِقَةٍ فِي دَارِ الدُّنْيَا عَشْرَ حَسَنَاتٍ And he would be given the reward, the number of which is equivalent to every munafiq and munafiqah, male and female hypocrite, فِي دَارِ الدُّنْيَا In the world. Ashara Hasanatin. So for every Munafiq and Munafiqah, you get ten Hasanat for the number of every one of the Munafiqeen. Wa Muhiya Anhu Ashuru Sayyat and he would be removed of ten Sayyat, ten evils for every Munafiq and Munafiqah. Wa Rufi Alahu Ashuru Darajatin and he would be raised for every number of Munafiqeen. Ten darajat, وكان العرش وحملته يصلون عليه أيام حياته في الدنيا. And those who hold the arsh, the malaika, who are responsible for uh, praying, uh, sorry, for those who are around the arsh of Allah, they يصلون عليه. They pray for you. أيام حيات في الدنيا, for the days in which you live in this world. This is a wonderful uh, fadl. But what is the point of this hadith? Where do we see the crux of this hadith? What well, we actually see the central point of this hadith is around munafiqeen. Right? So, أَنَّهُ بَرِيءٌ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ وَأُعْطِيَ مِنَ الْأَجْرِ بِعَدَدِ كُلِّ مُنَافِقٍ وَمُنَافِقَةٍ فِي دَارِ الدُّنْيَا so, connection is unstable. Please wait while we try to reconnect. So, uh, the the actual point of this hadith, the crux of this hadith, is about the uh, munafiqeen, and therefore you can see a theme of Surah Al-Anfal will be very much to do with the munafiqeen. Another hadith. عن أبي عبد الله الصادق صلوات الله وسلامه عليه إمام جعفر الصادق عليه السلام is narrated to have said من قرأ سورة الأنفال وبراءة في كل شهر لم يدخله نفاق أبدا This is a very important hadith The one who recites Surah Al-Anfal and chapter number 9 في كل شهر every month لم يدخله نفاق نفاق أبدا You will not uh, enter into نفاق into hypocrisy at all evermore وكان من شيعة أمير المؤمنين حقا and you would be considered to be amongst the true Shia of Imam alayhi salam Now the word حقا here is mentioned in the surah itself which we'll come to in the first five verses 
insha'Allah, you will be considered amongst the mu'mineen haqqa. You see in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually differentiates between mu'mineen and mu'mineen haqqa. There are mu'mineen and then there are mu'mineen who are realities ahead in their level of understanding. They are the true mu'mineen. The Quran says, Hum With Allah, there are darajat, there are stations. So we don't just want to be mu'mineen. We want to mean mu'mineen haqqa. وَيَأْكُلُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مِنَ الْمَوَاعِدِ الْجَنَّةِ And you would eat from the, uh, the feasts of Jannah. مَعَهُمْ حَتَّى مِنَ الْحِسَابِ And you would actually be counted amongst those who are free on the day of judgment from accountability. So again, here, in the first hadith, what do you see? You see an issue around nifaq. And in the second hadith, you see an issue around being not just mu'mineen, but mu'mineen haqqa. And so a person who truly understands Surah Al-Anfal, a person who really imbibes the message of Surah Al-Anfal, they're kept far away from nifaq. And of course, on the other side, they are amongst the mu'mineen haqqa. So this is the fadl of the surah the title of the surah is also very important as well now the title of the surah is al-anfal and al-anfal is translated as the spoils of war also translated as the windfalls of war what this means is that after war and when the enemies are able to when the enemies flee and the believers were able to collect some of the spoils of war, the question would come as to how they were to deal with these spoils of war. Because of number of reasons. Number one, there were, excuse me, there were, of course, the practices of the uh, Arab communities. They had their normal practices of war. And of course, as you know, the Arabs, they had uh, a whole culture around war. So were the Muslims to follow the cultures of the Arab pagans or not? Number one. Mm. Number two, there was also contest between peoples because we had early believers and we had early migrants and then we had later migrants to the city of Medina. Should they all be considered the same? Should those who, for example, who didn't fight in the Battle of Badr be given the spoils of war, even though they may have come a couple of weeks after Badr? It's a legitimate question. So imagine now you are a, a Muslim from the uh, early Muslim community. You have been with the Prophet in Mecca. You have now migrated to Medina. You fought in the battle of Badr. And someone comes later on to convert to Islam, a week later, for example. Five days later, for example, you might rightly ask, am I allowed to have the same spoils as this person? Is this person even allowed to have spoils of the war if they haven't necessarily contributed in the same way? And you can see that this is mentioned in the first verse. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. anfal They ask you about the windfalls. So now, what I want to do is just uh, focus a little bit more on the word of windfall and I will um, 
just read some uh, uh, tafasir for you and I, inshallah, and that will help us to understand uh, the meaning of the word al-anfal a little bit better. And then, inshallah, we will look at how this uh, uh, chapter speaks about al-anfal in terms of which verses refer to al-anfal. So I'm reading from tafsir now, inshallah. In the technical terminology of the Islamic jurisprudence, the meaning of the Arabic word al-anfal encompasses the following matters. Natural resources. So if people find natural resources, what are they supposed to do with them? So here al-anfal isn't only just speaking about war. It is primarily speaking about war. But in the fiqh, when we say the word anfal, we don't limit it to the spoils of war. It includes the following. Natural resources, public wealth, spoils of war, wealth whose owner is unknown, like a land whose owner has completely left it, a person who has just uh, departed from the land and never returned, properties for an heirless dead, someone who doesn't have any heirs, what happens to that? It goes into the Al-Anfar. Forests, who, to whom belongs the forests? Valleys, reed beds, unprofitable lands, mines, and so on. So for example, in the world in which we have today, especially in the Western world, everything is accounted for, right? We have a green belt and we have all these different areas. You say you can't build on this, you can build on that. In early Islamic jurisprudence, there might have been parts of the world that had been unknown, unconquered, un uncharted territory. Let's use those words. Let's say you went out into a desert and you decided you want to claim this desert for yourself. Is this permitted or is it not permitted? These debates and discussions would primarily come under Anfal. It continues the tafsir. According to what history states, when the Battle of Badr ended, there remained some spoils of war for the Muslims. The opinions were divided as to what should be done with the spoils, to whom they belonged and who actually had precedence to collect and to take those spoils of war. Then the Prophet of Allah alayhi himself began dividing the spoils of war. He gave them to all concerning peoples and uh, justly in order to ensure that there was no discrimination such as the discriminations in the age of ignorance. And he wanted to um, uh, divide them in a way that supported the oppressed even though many individuals were annoyed with the equality of distribution of the Anfar. This is important when it comes to the themes of the Surah. Since the Surah is wholly about the Battle of Badr, this verse refers to the spoils of war too, but it does not exclusively discuss the spoils of war. It also can discuss any other type of spoils or things that people find. Now, Al-Anfal is mentioned uh, in two points in Surah Al-Anfal. So, of course, verse number one, يَسْأَلُونَكَ anil anfal If you then turn to verse number 41 of Surah Al-Anfal, verse number 41 of Surah Al-Anfal, you will see another verse that directly speaks about Al-Anfal. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَعْلَمُوا 
أنما غنمتم من شيء فأن لله خمسه وللرسول ولذي القربى واليتامى والمساكين وابن السبيل إن كنتم آمنتم بالله And know that whatever thing you gain a fifth of it خمس This is the verse that we primarily use for خمس A fifth of it is for Allah and the Apostle for the nearest of kin, the orphans and the needy and the wayfarer, if you believe in Allah and in that which we have revealed to our servant. The next verse, the third verse that speaks specifically about the matters of um, of Al-Anfal is from verse number 69 in this chapter. And it begins to tell us that it's permissible for you to Take the Al-Anfal. You are allowed to have them. Verse number 69. Eat. It doesn't mean literally eat. It means take. Take then of the lawful and good things which you have acquired in war and be careful of your duty to Allah. Surely Allah is forgiving and merciful. So, number one, we see uh, when the chapter was revealed. Number two, we see the 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 fadl of the surah number three we see the um f- uh, the 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 word al-anfal in the surah itself and now we go towards the fawatih and the khawatim we go to the opening verses and the concluding verses to get a theme out of this if you open the early verses of surah al-anfal what you will find is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts in verse number one so he's going to expand upon that in the other verses we just told you about, verses 41 and 69. But now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following, Allah, Be wary of your duty to Allah. And set aright the matters which are of difference amongst yourselves. Now immediately the mind of the mutadabbir the ponderer of the Qur'an will realize what's being said is there are differences amongst the Muslim community. And what were they arguing about? What did they differ with each other about? How much spoils they should take. Who gets the precedence of spoils. How much they are allowed and so on and so forth. So you can immediately see the opening verse is going to tell us a theme of the surah is about responding to the differences amongst the people in regards to the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And obey Allah and the uh, Apostle if you are truly believers. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Now, إِنَّمَا is Adat al-Hasr. It's specifying, it's capturing that surely only the believers are whom. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Only the true believers are those whose hearts become full of fear or remembrance of Allah when Allah is mentioned. وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ and when his communications are recited, what does it do? Zadathum imanan wa ala rabbihim yatawakkalun. Their faith is increased. And you can see here in verse number four, Ulaikahumul mu'minuna haqqa. 
So this is a description. These qualities of A, they obey Allah and the Prophet. They, when the uh, mentioning of Allah is brought about, their hearts become full of fear. When the ayat are recited, they increase in their iman and they have tawakkul upon Allah. And verse number three, what do they do? الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ They keep up the prayer and they spend out of what God has given to them. Verse number four, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ That is the definition of true iman. Yes? So you can see here the qualities of أُولَٰئِكَ مُؤْمِنُونَ and this is mentioned elsewhere, and the opposite is also mentioned in the Quran as well. If you wish to be able to see it, turn to chapter 9, verse 88 in your own time, 988, and you'll see the haqqa of the polytheists and the kuffar. You'll see it on the opposite side. So you can see the opening verses are about what? The opening verses, the fawatih, is about being uh, two things. One, removing the differences amongst peoples and number two making sure you are amongst the mu'minun who are haqqa turn to the closing of the surah now and if you start from verse number 72 you will see how the end of the surah goes about the end of the surah now speaks about those categories of people who have struggled in the way of Islam and the Prophet, those who were the believers in Mecca, those who were believers in Mecca and migrated to Medina, Medina early on, those who migrated to Medina later and later and later. This is what's being spoken about. As an example, verse number 73, As for those who disbelieve, they are guardians of one another. Verse number 74, however you as the Muslims, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَهَاجَرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آوَوْ وَنَصَرُوا أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ حَقَّا So again, this should give you some inclination as to the theme of the surah. As for those who have believed and fled and struggled hard in Allah's way, those who gave shelter and helped, so this is the muhajireen being spoken about at the beginning of that verse and the ansar being spoken about in the other part of this verse 74. Who are they? They are truly the mu'mineen. For them, they will have a great maghfirah and great rizq. So may Allah make us amongst those people. Now verse 75. What it wishes to do is to say that there shouldn't be this difference amongst yourselves. Right? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِن بَعْدُ وَهَاجُرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا مَعَكُمْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مِنْكُمْ As for those who believed afterwards, after the migration, and they fled and struggled hard along with you, they are of you. SubhanAllah. Look at the unity God is trying to create. Don't think that just because these people came later, yes, you can title yourselves There is a higher daraja, but don't think that these are not from amongst you such that there should be differences created amongst yourselves socially. 
awla bi ba'din fi kitabillah and the possessors of relationships are nearer to each other in the audience ordinance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so here we have these themes that are being created in these ways now i'm going to break trend normally it is my habit not to tell you what the themes of the surah are until the very very end i want you to try to figure it out for yourselves and follow the sub themes the chunks of verses this time i'm going to do the opposite and there's a reason for that because the way in which the surah needs to be discussed i need to be able to go back to certain reference points otherwise it might not make sense there are multiple themes spoken about in surah al-anfal and what i'm going to do is i'm going to list them now uh, i'll list them slowly i know many of you who are uh, dedicated to this class you have your notebooks so i know you're going to want to write these down I'm going to list off all the themes, the sub-themes of Surah Al-Anfal and then inshallah we will go and look at them in the appropriate ways because there are multiple ways to do so in this surah. There's not one way of just breaking down the chunks. Sometimes we have to uh, skip verses to see the entire theme of the surah. Okay, number one. The first theme of Surah Al-Anfal is about the mu'mineen setting aside their differences there's no order when i say first i don't mean as in uh, numerically or hierarchically i'm just reading to you number one set aside differences amongst the believers who because believers adopted islam at different times they internally started to make a hierarchy amongst themselves of believers this was nothing more than following the period of jahiliyyah number one number two the second major theme is it's speaking about the rules of war now here i don't mean the rules of war such as who to kill or can i burn down a tree which of course is prohibited in islamic war i mean all the matters about building up to a war how you prepare for war how you deal with post-war matters. This is dealt with in Surat Al-Anfal. So not necessarily just war itself, the pre- and post-war matters as well. Number three, it speaks about the qualities of the believers and the qualities of the hypocrites. And we spoke about that a little while, speaking about Number three. Number four. It speaks from a post-Badr perspective. We mentioned this, but it's good to note down. Number four, post-Badr. Number five. And these are the major themes now. The, the, the next uh, three themes are going to be the major themes that I'm going to tell you about. It's speaking about the defeat of the defeat of the enemies of God. Now, this is important to just take some perspective of before we continue. In the preceding chapter, chapter number seven, Surah Al-A'raf, and especially going back, uh, we spoke about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those societies that are to be destroyed and why they're destroyed. Surah Al-A'raf spoke about all those societies that were destroyed. Nuh alayhi salam, Hud, Saleh, Shu'aib, Musa, all of those tyrant peoples were destroyed. 
Were they destroyed in one way? No. They were destroyed in a multiple different ways. Nuh alayhi salam, flood. Um, Hud in Salih, we had the uh, winds overtake them and covered with winds and things like this. Um, when it came to Shaib alayhi salam, rains of fire from the sky. When it came to Lut, the entire uh, part of their world was turned upside down. When it came to uh, um, uh, Fir'aun, um, they were completely drowned in the sea and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the previous nations or to this nation, look at how I've destroyed the previous nations. In Surah Al-Anfal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not saying, I'm going to destroy you like those. Your defeat is going to come in a way in which you pride yourself most, O Arabs. O Arabs, you pride yourself on being warriors. You pride yourself on having your tribal allegiances that you will join together to fight against your enemies. You pride yourself on, on having these uh, vast poems that are recounted about your warriors. You're going to be defeated through the war that you treasure most. And if you look, Surah Al-Anfal speaks about war. Chapter number 9 speaks about Fath Makkah. So not only were they to be defeated in terms of the battlefield, the subsequent chapter, which is joined with Surah Al-Anfal, speaks about how your whole city is going to be conquered. So what this is doing, this is very psychological. This is very important. In the surah, you will see that the surah speaks about two or three major themes within this point, like subcategories A and B. Within the defeat that is impending, it speaks about al-anfal, spoils of war, and captives. If you turn to the end of the surah, if you turn to uh, verse number 67, all the way to 71, you will see it speaks about captives. Now what's being said? Allah subhanahu imagine, imagine now you're from the enemies of Islam. And verses are being revealed about how to deal with spoils of war. And verses are being uh, revealed about how to deal with captives of war. Psychologically it tells you, God is telling you, you're, you're going to face defeat. In order for the Muslims to have to have laws being revealed continuously about these matters, psychologically it puts you on the back foot. Otherwise, why else would it be talking about these matters? So it speaks about the impending defeat that is going to come and that, that will be the downfall of this nation of enemies of God. They won't be destroyed like Norse people and Hoods people and, and, and. They're going to be defeated, but the defeat is going to come through the way in which they treasure the most. Another element, uh, another uh, sub-theme of Surat Al-Anfal is that they are being told that they should review their past histories. Again, this is very important. And we will show you this throughout the discussion as well, inshallah. They need to review their past histories. As we stated, Al-Anfal is revealed post-facto. It's revealed weeks, months after the event of Badr. Now, this is important. 
as you know, there are differences amongst the Muslim sects. And some Muslim communities, may Allah bless them, they will say things like, we don't need to look at history, right? Those people have done what they have done. And, you know, this companion and this caliph and, you know, Allah will judge them. We don't need to look into their histories. No, no, no. The Quran itself told the Muslims, review your own history. I'm going to reveal verses in the weeks after the event so that you review these matters for yourself. This is very important for our discussion when it comes to the matters of history amongst ourselves. Lastly, the last major theme that is mentioned uh, in Surah Al-Anfal is the following. And this is an abundant, uh, a central theme to Surah Al-Anfal. And this is how Allah is the one who helped you. Had it not been for Allah, you would never have won this battle of Badr. And you will see, and I'll show you inshallah, a dozen verses where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the matter out of the hand of the mu'mineen and says, this has been entirely done by me. I am responsible. And he gives it in multiple ways. He says, I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for that. You did not do this. I do this. And then he will explain that if you don't understand these things, you will fall into disunity amongst yourselves and if you don't set aside your differences, both in terms of amongst yourselves, in terms of how you see each other, and the nifaq that is beginning to grow inside you off the back of one victory, you will lose everything the way in which Banu Israel lost everything. This is mentioned as the theme of the surah. So here I've given you, I think, um, is it seven? Is it seven? Seven sub-themes of Surat Al-Anfal. Maybe someone can just clarify. Did I give seven sub-themes of Surat Al-Anfal? And then inshallah, let us have a look at all of them now. Okay, number one. In terms of <clears throat> the reviewing past history, let's have a look at where the verses speak about reviewing past history. Verses 7, 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 speak about the events that preceded the Battle of Badr. So this chapter is revealed way after Badr, not way after Badr, weeks after Badr, and it's going back to the preceding events of Badr. Verses 7 to 11 speak about uh, preceding Badr. If anyone wants to mention what happened prior to Badr, who can remember what was the event that caused Badr to happen? If you recall, there was a trade caravan of Abu Sufyan's and previously the Muslim community, especially up until the period of uh, the isolation of the Muslims, they were forbidden from marrying the Quraysh, they were forbidden from um, um, having trade with the Quraysh, they were all forced into the Sha'b of Abu Talib alayhi salam. So the Muslim wealth had been stolen from them systematically. In the event preceding Badr, a trade caravan of Abu Sufyan's was taken by the Muslim community. They stole it back, saying, well, we should have the right to be able to have our finances replenished. This is being spoken about from verse number 7 
to verse number 11, 12, when um, uh, the Muslims were now debating how we should deal with this particular event. So it's reviewing it. The second area it begins to um, uh, review is from verse 26. From verse 26 to verse 29, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about um, reviewing the event of Battle of Badr itself. Sorry. Um, no, sorry, sorry. Let me just clarify that. Verses 26 to 29 speak about um, when, the, when the Muslim community were few in number. And how they feared at that time the events of the Battle of Badr taking place. Because that they knew that they were outnumbered greatly. And so Allah is telling them, remember how you felt at that time. Then verses 42 to 44 tell them to review about the Battle of Badr itself. And so this... Uh, theme of reviewing your own history and your own past, reflecting on your own past, is that part of Surah Al-Anfal. Now, the helping of Allah is mentioned systematically in this surah, meaning that because it's a surah about war, about laws of war, and about what happened in war, and what is going to happen in war, past, present, and future of wars, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously says, I am the one who made you victorious in Badr. It wasn't you, it was me. I gave you every type of help. I gave you help in your niyyah. I gave you help in terms of placing fear into the hearts of your enemy. Let's go through these verses and I want you to note them and in your own time review them as to how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the occasion on himself inshaAllah. So there's a comment here uh, by one of the brothers. I thought they did not take the caravan of Abu Sufyan, reading recently what Maududi had written. We can double check this, but from my understanding of history, they took the caravan and this is what caused war between these two parties. We can double check it, inshallah. So have a look now at verse number five, the theme of which, the sub-theme of which I'm telling you is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how he was helping all the way through and he takes responsibility for the victories. Verse number five. Kama akhrajaka rabbuka min baytika bilhaq. Your Lord caused you to go forth from your houses. This is speaking about hijrah. So who made you leave? Who made you go out? It was Allah that did this for you. Verse number seven. وَإِذْ يَعِدَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِحْدَى الطَّائِفَتَيْنِ أَنَّهَا لَكُمْ When Allah promised you, one of the two parties, that it shall be yours. Verse number 8. لِيُحِقَّ الْحَقَّ وَيُبْتِلَ الْبَاطِلَ Allah made manifest the truth. He made manifest the truth. Verse number 9. إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ and when you sought aid from your Lord, he answered you. Verse number 
وما جعله الله إلا بشرا ولتطمئن به قلوبكم الله gave it as good news so that your hearts may be at ease again everything Allah is doing Allah is doing Allah is doing verse number 11 إذ يغشيكم النعاس أمنة منه وينزل عليكم من السماء ماء ليطهركم به when he caused calm to fall on you as a security from him and he sent down upon you from the cloud that he might purify you. So again, Allah takes responsibility. Verse 12. When your Lord revealed to the angel saying, I am with you, therefore make firm yourselves. Verse number 17. فَلَمْ تَقْتُلُوهُمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ قَتَلَهُمْ You did not slay them, Allah slew them. وَمَا رَمَيْتَ إِذْ رَمَيْتَ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ رَمَى You did not smite them. It was Allah who smote them. It was Allah who struck them, who threw at them. Verse number 18. ذَلِكُمْ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ مُوهِنُ كَيْدِ الْكَافِرِينَ it is Allah who weakens the struggle of the unbelievers. It continues throughout the surah. Uh, you can see this in your own time, but you will understand here just by me making an ishara that so many of the verses of Surah Al-Anfal, Allah is taking responsibility for these matters and saying, I helped you. I am the one who did it. And he does it many other times in uh, that surah as an example. Um, verse number 42, he continues, uh, reading from the middle of the surah, middle of the verse, verse 42. But in order that Allah might bring about the matter which was to be done, that he who would perish might perish by clear proof. So Allah makes the matter come about. Verse number 43. إِذْ يُرِيكَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنَامِكَ قَلِيلًا When Allah showed you a dream. So here, according to the tafasir, the Prophet and the Mu'mineen were given dreams about their victories in the battle of Badr. Verse 44. وَإِذْ يُرِيكُهُمْ وَإِذْ يُرِيكُمُوهُمْ إِذْ الْتَقَيْتُمْ فِي أَعْيُنِكُمْ قَلِيلًا When he showed them to you, when you met, as few in your eyes, and he made you to appear little in their eyes, in order that Allah might bring about the matter which was to be done. So again, here Allah takes consistent responsibility for the victory in the battle of Badr. Okay, the last area of our discussion now is to break down the chunks of verses, and then we will have completed our themes of Surah Al-Anfal, insha'Allah. Verses 1 to the end of verse 4, the group of verses are about the qualities of the mu'minun haqqa. Not just mu'minun, mu'minun haqqa. And most importantly, the first, this is really important, the first quality of the mu'minun haqqa is that they do what? They set aright the differences amongst themselves. After that, you begin to see more qualities 
which I mentioned earlier on in this discourse. You can read them for yourselves, insha'Allah. Verses 5 to verse 14 speaks about the hijrah and the overarching matters of the preceding events to the Battle of Badr, which we talked about a little bit earlier on, insha'Allah. Verses 15 to 30, verses 15 to 30, the sub-theme of this chunk of verses, this group of verses, is about making firm your intentions and speaking about those people whose intentions were infirm. Verse 15. Let's just review a couple of verses so that we get the flavor, inshaAllah. Verse 15. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu Ida laqeetumulladheena kafaru zahfan fala tuwalluhumul adbar O you who believe, when you meet those who disbelieve marching for war, do not turn your backs to, to them. Waman yuwallihim And whoever turns their back and flees, right? like those people in Ahad, whoever turns their back and flees, then indeed he becomes deserving of the wrath of Allah. فَقَدْ بَاءَ بِغَذَبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَمَأْوَاهُ جَهَنَّمْ Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now speaking. Now in verse 21, in this chunk, is a central verse to this uh, chunk. Um, verse 21 It's making firm their intention Don't be like those who said we hear But they don't really obey Verse 24 One of the most famous verses of Surah Al-Anfal Ya amanu istajibu lillahi lima وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَحُولُ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَقَلْبِهِ وَأَنَّهُ إِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ O you who believe, answer the call of Allah and His Apostle when He calls you to that which gives you life. You see, it's such a play on words. War is often thought of in terms of death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, this gives you life. Verse 26, again, is speaking about the strengthening of the niyyah, making you firm. It talks about that you were few in numbers and that Allah strengthened you with His aid. Right? He strengthened you with His aid. So this is the subsection all the way to verse 30. From verse 30 all the way to verse 39, 30 to 39, this fourth section of Surah Al-Anfal speaks about the plans of the disbelievers and Allah's respite on the disbelievers and His reasoning for their respite as disbelievers. Verse 33 Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ Allah is not going to chastise you, destroy you, like whom? The people of Nuh, Hud, Saleh, Sha'ib, Moses, and so on. Allah is not going to destroy you. Whilst the Prophet Muhammad is amongst you. Why? 
He is rahmatun lil alameen. However, your destruction will not come in the typical way of the stories of the previous prophets being wiped out. Your destruction, your defeat will come through that which you fear most. Losing that honor that you think that you have. Yeah? So Allah speaks about his respite and his reasoning for respite in these particular verses. From verse 39 to verse 44, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, now reviews the events of Badr itself. Now the central verse, uh, I'm going to tell you something if you want to make a note of this please, on a side note, on a side note. The central verses of the entirety of Surah Al-Anfal, there are one, two, three, four, five, five verses, which are the axis of Surah Al-Anfal. The whole of Al-Anfal is based on these five verses. One of them is this verse 40, which you can make a note of, and then I'll tell you the other four verses uh, shortly, inshallah. So in this verse 39, to verse 44 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks specifically about the events of Badr now verse 40 says the following Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wa in tawallaw fa'lamu anna Allah mawlakum ni'mal mawla wa ni'man nasir this is the central verse to the whole of surah al-anfal if they turn back then know Allah is your mawla you see, there were some people who wanted to flee the battlefield. Know that Allah is your mawla, and most excellent is a mawla as Allah, and most excellent is he as a helper for you. You can see again the theme of which is what? Allah is your master, mawla, and he is your helper. And we stated that in Surah Al-Anfar, Allah keeps saying, I'm the one that helped you. I'm the one that made you victorious. I'm the master of all of this event. Verse 45 to verse 51 is the next sub-theme. In this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about two matters, unity and hypocrisy. What did we say was the opening and the closing of the surah? The fawatih and the khawatim. We stated that there was a dispute amongst the believers as to who should get the anfal. I should get it, why? Because I was earlier than you in faith. I should get it because I'm more famous than you. I should get it, I should get it, I should get it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these verses says, there's two elements. Number one, don't allow disunity to come into yourselves and don't allow hypocrisy to come into yourselves. Let's have a look at a couple of the verses. Verse 46, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And obey Allah and His Messenger. Do not quarrel, for then you will become weak in your hearts. Your power will depart from you. Be patient in these matters. Verse 47, dealing with hypocrisy, nifaq. وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ خَرَجُوا مِنْ دِيَارَهِمْ بَطَرًا وَرِئَاءَ النَّاسِ Do not like, be like those people who came out of their houses. Why? In great exaltation. Kibriya. Why? لِرِيَاءَ النَّاسِ Just to be seen by men. SubhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there were some people who made the hijrah of Islam to be seen. 
Okay? Verse 49, So from that point, early point in Medina, there were munafiqun. From year two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, there's munafiqun amongst you. It doesn't have to wait till later. إِذْ يَقُولَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ The next sub-theme is from verse number 52 to verse number 55. This is also a central verse. There is a central verse, an axis verse. And that is verse number 53. Now let me tell you the chunk of this uh, uh, theme. Uh, from verses 52 to 55, it talks to us about the Banu Israel and how Fir'aun was destroyed and how the people after that dealt with these matters and how many of them actually turned on their backs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 53, That is because... Allah has never changed a favor which he has conferred upon a people until they change the favors for themselves. This is hypocrisy. This is the disunity that came into the Banu Israel. The reason as to why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed their favors upon them was because they changed the favors upon themselves. So this of course is being spoken about in the context of the spoils of war. Allah made you win. If Allah made you win, why now are you fighting and arguing over the things that Allah gave to you? You didn't win the battle. Allah made you win the battle. So why are you now arguing and changing the favors of Allah into disfavors of Allah? Verse 56 to 59 speaks now about the Jewish community of Medina and Khandaq. And it talks about how the Jewish community had made an agreement with the Muslim community and they broke their agreement and started sending arms and weapons to the Meccans in order to prepare for the war of Khandaq. Now this is important because if you recall we said some of the verses in this surah speak about preparing for war. And some of the verses speak about how to deal with matters after war. Keeping an eye, being aware, being engaged. These verses are coming up. Verse 56. Those with whom you make an agreement, then they break their agreement every time and they do not guard. They're not having taqwa. Now Allah says, Be harsh. If you need to fight with the Jews, do so. Therefore, if you overtake them in fighting, scatter them. Make an example of them in your fight against them. Verse number 60 all the way to 66. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the mobilization for war. This is speaking about preparations for war. Making sure that you understand when you're supposed to go to war and when you're not supposed to go to war. Verse 60. Prepare against them whatever force you can of horses, 
frighten the enemy however you can frighten them. Verse 61 But if they incline to peace, then you also incline to peace. And make sure you are uh, trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 62 if they intend to deceive you when they say they want peace, don't worry about it. Allah is sufficient as a protector for you. He it is who strengthens you. Again, you get this idea that Allah is taking responsibility for your victory here. He is the one who strengthened you with his help and the believers. And in here are more verses about the crux of the surah. Remember we talked a minute ago about there being five or six verses which are central to the entire surah. I gave you one of them earlier as verse 40. I gave you one of them earlier as verse 53. The rest are verse 63 to 66. Verse number 63 says, you could not have united their hearts. Those people that are against you, Ya Rasulullah, you could not have united their hearts. Allah united them. Allah is taking responsibility here. Verse 64, O Prophet, Allah is sufficient for you and sufficient for the believers. Verse 65, Ya Nabi, al-qital. Urge the believers towards war. And verse 66 as well. Uh, he knows that there is weakness in you. Right? Now, again, the whole theme of the surah is that there's weakness amongst the believers. What's the specific weakness amongst the believers? They're arguing with each other over the unfal. They're, they're, they are, they're having. Uh, little bits of nifaq begin to enter into them. What is the big nifaq that is entering into them? That they believe that uh, they will just continue to be victorious and they will pick up all the spoils of war. And so now they are now fighting not for the sake of Allah, but they are fighting for the sake of war spoils. This is mentioned in verses 65 and 66. Very important. O Prophet, if there are 20 patient ones amongst you, you will overcome 200. And if there are 100, you will overcome 1,000. But in verse 66, it says, if there are 100 of you, you will only be able to overcome 200. Previously, you will be able to have a ratio of 1 defeating 10 enemies. Now Allah says in the very subsequent verse, verse number 61, verse 66, now you'll only be able to defeat two enemies. For each one of you, you can defeat ten. A, few, a verse later, he says you'll only be able to defeat two. Why? Because their niyyah has changed. Previously, their niyyah was purely going to war, lillahi azza wa jal. So Allah strengthened them to the extent that one person could defeat ten. Now that their niyyah has changed, now that nifaq has begun to enter, now that they're doing things for the anfal, Allah says now, if you go to war, you'll only be able to defeat two people for every one of you. Verses 67 
to 71 is the penultimate section of Surah Al-Anfal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now speaks about the laws that are in war. Laws in terms of taking captives and laws in terms of the Al-Anfal and the Ghana'im that you are supposed to take. And the last subsection of Surah Al-Anfal is from verse 72 to verse 75, which we spoke about earlier on when we talked about the Fawatih and the Khawatim. It tries to unite the believers. Even if people have come after you, you are all from amongst each other. Verse 74, sorry, verse 73. How interesting. The kuffar, they are guardians of one another. Yet you Muslims don't want to be guardians of one another. Subhanallah. Certain countries today, they are guardians of each other, aren't they? Al Saud, the illeg- illegitimate and illegal state of Israel, the United States of America. They're guardians of one another. But you Muslims don't want to be guardians of one another. You want to divide yourselves. And as a result of it, you'll be weak. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe. مِنْ بَعْدُ وَهَاجُرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا مَعَكُمْ All the different categories of Muslims. Those who came earlier, those who came middle, those who come later. فَأُولَٰئِكَ مِنْكُمْ They are all from you, Ya Rasulullah. I don't know what to say after that. If only the Muslim community would wake up to these matters. So, we have here the multiple themes and sub-themes of Surah Al-Anfal. If we try to draw them all together, what we find is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Muslim community to review the Battle of Badr. And if they review all of the events surrounding Badr from the beginning to the war, to the proceeds that happen with the Anfal afterwards, you would see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you victorious. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you victorious, and He is the one who made you gain all of these material things, why are you fighting amongst yourselves for these material things? You don't deserve them. Allah gave them to you. Why are you fighting with each other? But know that you're going to have future wars. This is another theme of Surah Al-Anfal. You're going to have future wars. Previously, you only fought against the Quraysh. Now you need to prepare for the upcoming wars against the Jews in Khandaq. You need to prepare for the matters of Nifaq that is going to come amongst yourselves. And so, if you want the spoils of war, those are going to come anyway. But in reality, what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to be united you need to be uh, fully with the niyyah for what you're doing. Don't allow any nifaq to come in and you'll be successful. If you don't, you will end up like Banu Israel and the way in which they turn the blessings of Allah into the misfavors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Muslims, no matter what category of Muslims you are, you should consider yourselves as one group. Do not be disunited. Otherwise, your hearts will become weak and you will end up being defeated amongst yourselves. These, my friends, are the sub-themes and the overarching themes of Surah Al-Anfal, chapter number 8 of the Qur'an. 
I hope this has been of benefit to you and inshallah you would uh, have taken something away from it. I'm going to conclude my discussion here and allow for questions to come in and inshallah your comments, your constructive feedback, we will all be able to learn from and then inshallah at the halfway point of this half hour we will be able to conclude our discussion. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa alihi tahirin. So I'm looking here, there are some comments. Um, one person has commented, like we highlighted various understandings of spoils of war, what is the usage of the word war in this surah? Or what are the various understandings of the word war? Ahsant. So the word for war, as you know, is uh, jihad, coming from the word juhud, meaning to struggle or to strive. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the surah uses the word qital, jihad, mujahid. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to know that there are fighters and there are those who struggle. So in Surah Anfal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this a few times. And as you know, the connotation in this surah is that the jihad that is being spoken about here is jihad al-azghar, the minor jihad which is the context of fighting on the battlefield. Whereas the major jihad, jihad al-akbar, is the war against the self. That's famously mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, upon returning back from the Battle of Badr, said, congratulations to you for having completed jihad al-azghar, whereas now is the time for jihad al-akbar. And you can see here, that the jihad al-akbar is actually re is being spoken about. Look back to your jihad al-azghar and how much Allah helped you. Now you are fighting jihad al-akbar in terms of the nifaq that can creep in, in terms of the changing of the niyyah that can creep in, in terms of the debates amongst the believers as to whom deserves position can creep in to yourselves. And so these are the different understandings that are mentioned insha'Allah. You can see, it's very interesting, the whole language of Surah Al-Anfal is very adversarial. Very adversarial. And despite that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about So he understands that people do become adversarial amongst yourselves. And he's saying, you know who you should be adversarial towards? Your enemies. Why are you being adversarial to amongst yourselves? And if you act adversarial to yourselves, you will have misunderstood whom you're supposed to be warring with. You are supposed to be warring with those people who are considered your enemies, not amongst yourselves. Are there any other questions that may come up, inshallah? We have a live question here. No? <laughs> Shy? You know, it's very interesting. There's a verse I wish to be able to point out to you. We didn't talk about it earlier on. If you look at verse 34, verse 34, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the Meccans who take for themselves guardianship of Masjid al-Haram. Allah said in verse 33, I'm not going to chastise them. I'm not going to destroy them. Why? Because you, Ya Rasulullah, are amongst them. Verse 34. 
And what excuse have they that Allah should not chastise them? Allah is saying, look, I'm not going to chastise you, but you have no excuse. If I wanted to, you deserve it. What excuse have they that Allah should not chastise them whilst they hinder people from Masjid al-Haram? SubhanAllah. They are not fit to be guardians of it. It makes me reflect on which individuals today consider themselves to be guardians of Masjid al-Haram and they hinder people from Masjid al-Haram and they are not fit to govern Masjid al-Haram. Verse 35 Their prayer in front of this house of Allah is nothing more than just whistling and clapping. <coughs> What do I say after that? So, are there any other questions or any other points? Please, please do engage. We have so many viewers online. If you ask questions, many, many more people will benefit and, and, and learn from your questions, inshallah. If not, then we will conclude our session here. Um, what I wish to be able to do is to remind everyone of the homework. The homework is, of course, always number one, read this surah that you have just been studying. And when you read it, you must read it in light of the theme itself. I always state this. This is the sentiment of His Eminence, Sayyid Taba Taba'i, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala Alayhi, who stated that once we know the theme of the surah, we have to see every verse in light of the theme of the surah and not outside of the theme of the surah. So that's the first homework. And the second homework is to read which chapter? Number nine, Surah At-Tawbah, because next week, inshallah, we will, bi'idhnillah, uh, with the permission of Allah, have a look at the themes of Surah At-Tawbah, chapter number nine. And inshallah, if we can all prepare by reading that surah in advance, we will have done some preparation work for it. For those who commented, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your engagement. All of you who are online, thank you for taking time out. I hope this discussion has been of benefit to you. Let us raise our hands. We join each other in dua. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hasten the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi alayhi salam to allow us to be alongside him at all times in our life and in our death. If we are to pass away from this world before his coming, Ya Allah, raise us from our grave so that we can partake in the victories of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. We ask you, Ya Allah, we have these Monday nights dedicated to the tadabbur of Qur'an, to the tafsir of Qur'an. Ya Allah, make us amongst the mutadabbirin of the Qur'an, those who ponder deeply upon the Qur'an. Help us to be able to practice what we learn from these verses of the Qur'an. And Ya Allah, make Qur'an a guiding light for us, a constitution in our life, inshaAllah. Ya Allah, there are many people around the world at the moment who are going through such desperate times of war and poverty and homelessness and disease and disaster. Grant them more safety, security and victory for the sake of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad. Special du'a for those people who are struggling with COVID-19 those people who are struggling to defeat this disease, grant them a full and quick recovery, insha'Allah. Bihaqqil Qur'an, bihaqqi Rasulillah, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. 
and inshallah we are all granted safety and protection from this disease and this uh, trial is lifted from us quickly inshallah so that we learn and move forward in our lives from this wassalamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh